Hi, everybody. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie, and I have a, a special guest here today, and her name is Dr. Angela Serkovich, and she is a yoga instructor and a, um, a, a therapist. Is that the right word? I feel like I never quite know. <laughs> yeah, therapist. Therapist, therapist. therapist is fine. Yep. Great, great. And, um, and I've known Angela for a long time in the yoga community in D.C., and, um, but I, I'm hearing a lot more about her work as a therapist specializing in anxiety and depression and recovery from trauma and, um, and, and how she brings her, her yogic background into it, which is really what's intriguing to me. And I've been hearing about her work with couples and therapy. And, and I think it's a really important topic to bring up because a lot of the, the feedback I get from you all is like, I'm trying to take care of myself and, and make a change in my life, and I'm not sure if my partner can go with me, or I'm not sure how it will influence my relationship, or the relationship actually becomes like a source of stress that you need to recover from. So I thought it would be great just to have Angela on and, um, and talk a little bit about how self-care can affect a relationship. So thank you so much, Angela, for taking the time yeah, my pleasure. And being here. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. So thank you. You're so welcome. Okay, so just in general, how do you feel like um, like self care affects couples in terms of like how the, how does like individual self care affect couples and how does like how do you establish self care as a couple? Well, I think it's really like anything in life with couples. It can bring them closer together, or it can push them farther apart. Um, and in some cases, it can have little effect. But if you're living with someone, spending most of your time with the same person, chances are it's going to have effect one way or the other. Um, so while I think self-care as a term initially has good connotation, I do think there are times that it can be quite problematic in relationships depending on how it's applied. Yeah, what do you, I'm, I'm curious about what what you feel like is successful. And, like, the thought that came to me yeah. when you said that is, like, oh, my gosh, sometimes we can, like, hide in our self-care. Like, I, yeah. you know, this idea yeah. that, like, well, I'm going to, I have to do this perfectly, and if my partner's not going to do it, that means we're not going to work. Or we kind of, we kind of hold the relationship hostage sometimes as, yeah. as a way for us to hold ourselves back. And so I'm yeah, curious what you, you've seen has been successful. Well, successful self-care, I think, is when in some way you're bringing the other partner on board. Now, that may mean that your partner doesn't want to do yoga and they don't want to do, you know, the special diet that you're on, but you bring them on board emotionally, emotionally and psychologically. And so a lot of that really gets to communication. And I think that's where, um, you know, that's what trips us all up is clearly communicating our feelings and our thoughts especially when it comes to making decisions. Um, I see people all the time get into conflict because there's this um, kind of forgetting how to communicate really simple things. Um, we tend to make it overly complex, this, this notion of communication. Um, very often, you know, a positive communication can be something as simple as you're sitting at dinner and you simply say, it's just really nice being with you here right now. And that's it. And you don't have to do much more than that. You know, another simple thing to say in communicating is, you know, if you hear your partner who's talking about going on another cleanse and 
you know, you know when they're ready to go on a cleanse, they get the blender out, they buy all these, you know, fruits and vegetables, it kind of makes a mess in the kitchen, um, and you know it's going to restrict your eating because you're not going to, they're going to have all kinds of <clears throat> um, kind of guidelines that they're following that's going to affect what kind of meals you cook, what kind of food you buy, how you go out. And so in a situation like that, and I've seen it a lot, you know, I can easily see a partner, they start to get irritated because they're feeling like, okay, this is going to affect my lifestyle. And it ends up being acted out in some way, either through a cold shoulder or, you know, giving someone an attitude or maybe being passive aggressive. When really the important thing here is identifying again what you're feeling and communicating that to your partner. And so in the beginning, that may be your partner announcing they're going to do another cleanse and you say, I, when I hear you saying you're going to do another cleanse, I find myself getting really irritable and really, really angry. And um, anger is something that I actually call a blanket emotion. It's useful. It can be expressed constructively or sublimated into action. And it also conceals other emotions, like fear especially, both fear and hurt. So at some point in this example I'm giving right now, a great way to communicate might be saying something like, when you say that you're going to go into another cleanse, I feel angry. And then when I feel underneath that, I feel really scared because I'm afraid it's going to affect my needs and what I want. And it's it's a sort of simple way that I think couples really, really get lost. They, they try to, people like to have a full packaged idea or a well-thought idea, out idea before they present it to their partner. And they forget that all they need to do is stop, pay attention to what you're feeling, and simply say that to your partner in the moment without trying to predict where they're going to go or what's going to happen. That makes so much sense. And, and I mean, it, it's so simple when I hear you say it. It's like, yeah, you just all you have to do is communicate right. what what's arising in the present moment for you, which is not, right. it's not super personal. It's like, I'm just, this is how I'm feeling right now. But I, um, what, what I think happens in, is that, like, the, the desire to change is such a tender, vulnerable place in each of us. Yeah. Because when we really decide we want to change, it, 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 it brings up all the past feelings of maybe letting ourselves down. <laughs> Which, which our partners seen us do before, too. You know, it's like they probably feel like, all right, well, you got the kitchen all messy, and mm-hmm. I, I had to eat so much kale, and then you went and you had donuts that weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's like to, like, to expose ourselves to somebody um, in that way, it is really vulnerable, and I can, I can understand, like, why the defenses would start to come up Absolutely. around habit change in general. Absolutely. You know, you brought up something else at the beginning. We were talking about you asked me for the positives of self-care, and I'd like to dive into the shadow side <laughs> because I think the shadow side is, is really um, an integral part of the whole. And, uh, you know, I, I have seen couples where, um, you know, self-care is used as a means to avoid the relationship or avoid something that's happening in the, in the relationship. Um, and kind of a, a sister of that, not really necessarily avoiding what's happening in the relationship directly, might be also a person who takes the onus on themselves. I think it's really common for women to overwork in relationships. 
And I think it's really common for women especially to um, think about if I were just a better communicator, if I just, you know, got through this book on conscious communication, if I, if I just presented things slightly different to my partner, um, you know, then, then X would happen, then Y would happen. And I think it's really important, especially for women, that we notice when we're trying to control, control the situation. And whether it's controlling the situation through our self-care and trying to really control our moods or our partner, it, it's really good to know when that safe control mindset kicks in. Mm. That's oh, I can I can totally relate to that too. And and I, I I think a lot of women we have this over responsibility that like we were taught so early on that anyone who's around us is we're responsible for making sure they're mm-hmm. comfortable, making sure they're happy, mm-hmm. and then. A relationship, it's like we have to really think back to like how how we saw our parents and all this stuff for us. Like it's mm-hmm. it's intricate in there, and there's a lot of information if we're willing to dive into the shadow. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that there's any way to really move forward in your habits unless you're you're have the courage to really look at some of that stuff that's mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you so what do you find that like when when you help women to in relationships to give their partner a little bit more space like what tends to happen with um and I'm, I'm speaking of more like heteronormative relationship right now but i can see how this could happen in, in any relationship but like someone who's embodying more of the masculine like what tends to happen in in that relationship um yes <laughs> conflict <laughs> at some point it creeps in um, which is not a bad thing conflict is actually really great um, in the sense that people can get into conflict and work through it and actually become closer than they were before the, before the conflict. Conflict is really it's unavoidable. Um, the, the question is, is, are both people willing to stick through it long enough to see it through to the other side in that place of increased trust, sensitivity, and awareness for the other person's emotion? Mm. Yeah, well, it makes me think that, like, the like the Buddhist phrase, like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And it's like that that's true in like a relationship too. It's like how you handle someone going on a cleanse is probably how you handle your parenting issues. Absolutely. Absolutely, no doubt. And I think, you know, going back to the self-care topic, um, the, uh, and then the need for really clear communication about what your plan is for self-care, just talking specifically about how to communicate that, you know, why, why you think you need it, how you might be concerned, how the self-care you're engaging in is going to affect you and your partner, how you might have concerns about how it might affect your lifestyle. I think um, opening up the discussion around any new self-care activity before you engage in that, inviting your partner in, or perhaps you know your partner is going to have no interest still um, letting them know that they're welcome and that you also, you know, can respect if they don't have an interest. Um, I think all these things are really, really important. Um, of course, you know, it's, it's wonderful if both partners want to have their gym date at the same time and the same day and then you can really support each other in self-care. Or if both partners, you know, want to go on the same retreat. But of course, as we all know, that's not always the case. In a perfect world, right? (laughs) Right, absolutely. 
And we, I can idealize that too. When I when I go on a spiritual retreat and I see a partner that's there, I always idealize that it's like, oh my gosh, the yeah. relationship is so great. And then you know, oh, sometimes yeah. I find out like it's it's not, you know, and it was like yeah. it's there too. So, well, what I hear in there is a lot of respect that you have to have, like really respecting where the other partner is at, and mm-hmm. and respecting your own choices too, and that there can be some separation between those mm-hmm. and that it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything about the relationship. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what, what do we do when we want to change the other person? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I laugh because I felt that, I mean, in every relationship, that's the thing that comes in. Is, you know, like we're, we're especially, and the majority of the people who um, identify by work are women, so I'm just going to kind of address women in this, but I, I feel like us as women, that we like, we're so good at controlling so many aspects of our life, like our career and, you know, like our social networks, and, but then when it comes to this relationship, we're really faced with this other person that, that is their own person, which doesn't seem to stop us from trying. Yep. <laughs> well, I think the first thing is the hardest thing, and that's recognizing when you want to change the other person, when you do get into to control mode. Um, I think that that's, uh, that's the first stage is kind of pulling back and saying, okay, I'm, you know, feeling inside yourself, I'm, something is percolating here. I'm either feeling irritable or tense or I've got my, you know, I'm in the grip of some sort of emotional mood or quality or tone. Huh, wait a minute. This is me trying to change the other person. That's step one. And then step two, when I really dive into it in my experience, when you want to change another person, it's just externalizing something that you feel some self-contempt on or self-blame or something that you don't like about yourself. So um, I'll give you an example from my own life. with a, uh, a colleague of mine that I have who um, came when we, her and I would run in the same circle and very regularly we would run into each other and she would ask me immediately, could we get together? What are you doing? She'd want to find out all the new you know, business activity that I was engaging in, any networking, that sort of stuff. She kind of really wanted to know everything that was going on. And I got really tense. I would, you know, I could feel my shoulders like kind of curling in, my stomach tightening and my jaw locking down. And I really liked this person. So, you know, I, then I would find myself kind of speaking monosyllabically and um, not making eye contact with her and trying to be nice to her but feeling like, God, I just got to get away. There was a real conflict for a little while. Once I sat with that, the, the physicality of food, you know, I realized that to me what I was experiencing was her need and, and neediness. And it wasn't anything about her at all. Because what I realized is it reminded me of my own neediness and how much I have tried to um, overcompensate for a self-judgment of being needy. Um, you know, in so many ways in life, trying to overcompensate for that. Once I realized that inside myself, hey, yeah, sometimes I get needy and sometimes that's okay. And that is something that I don't like about myself. It's also really human and really necessary. Once I felt that inside myself, I was intimately more available, or not intimately, I was, yeah, it made me more, it gave me the capacity to be more intimate with her 
and more available with her. Um, you know, at that point, I was unable to reflect on it and say something along the lines of, you know, I think what's happening here is I feel like I'm, I'm noticing my own neediness when I'm near you. And it's making it really hard for me to connect with you. And I don't know what we can do about that, but I think that's what keeps coming up for me. You know, and from there we were able to have a discussion to kind of peel apart the layers of what was going on between us. But that took a lot of work. <laughs> and I think that's often why people need services like yours, services like therapy, is to untangle that mess um, and to, to really understand, one, when we want to change other people, and two, the reasons why. And it really does usually relate to something we don't like about ourselves. Completely. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that example, too. It, it, I mean, it shows a lot of bravery, even to talk about that. So I, have, I have, like, really had so much shame in my life around feeling needy. And it was yep. through working with a therapist that I realized, yeah. like, wow, like, that's such a healthy thing to be needy and that we can't have yeah. a relationship unless we're needy. Yeah. But it was, like, it was being able to say it out loud of all the stuff that yeah. we keep inside. And it's, I think that that's what's happening to a lot of us is that we're kind of trying to be perfect. We're keeping it inside. We have a partner, and, and we start to put all of that externalized judgment onto them, and which uh, destroys intimacy, which makes us defensive. And yeah. then, you know, we, we go on a cleanse, and like, like, that was like the little tip of the, the wick there that got lit, but everything else is, is all of that. And yeah. And it's something I really notice in my work is that I, I really only bring women into my programs that are, are deeply ready to change. And it's like they've, they've exhausted the exterior trying to change. And, and it's, it's actually pretty easy for them to change, I think, because of that. So it just makes me feel like you're, you're really right on, that the hardest thing is really just getting the perspective that it's, it's not the other person, like it's us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think there's, there's three factors in a relationship. There's yourself, there's the other person, and there's the relationship. And I think the one that most people neglect to consider is the relationship. The relationship is just as much an entity as you or I, as I am. Um, and so I think if anybody is going to start a new practice or pick up an old practice of self-care, um, you know, they're really doing that work, it's important that they consider and explore within the context of the relationship what that means. Just as important as they explore it for themselves and, you know, how it may affect the other person. And that's really, um, again, it comes back to finding ways to explore self-care in a way that unifying, at least creating more um, back and forth between the couple, even if one part of the couple, you know, not very interested in it. Yeah, well, it makes me think that, you know, it's it's about, like, it doesn't matter what the individual change is. It's like if, if, if you can really hold in your in yourself, like, your own belief in yourself and your own excitement about your process that you're in around self-change, like, it might motivate your partner to change in a completely different way as long mm-hmm. as it's what's motivating to them. So it's like Absolutely. they want to go you know, take a cooking class. Like, you would rather they, like, you know, go to the gym more often, but they want to go take a cooking class. But to them, that might feel like the self-care to really explore a passion. And so it's, yeah. it seems like a lot of freedom to really, you yeah. know, let the other person be inspired. But, but I really find that with my clients that, like, when they're really in their own process, 
it, because it's a question people have when they come in, like, will this affect my relationship? And I, my experience is it's only made relationships better because it's, it's, it's actually sparked the, the process of a partner. Yeah. Um, for myself personally, I, when I started to do these practices, like, I, it, it provided an opportunity to leave a very long relationship that actually wasn't nurturing to me on a lot of levels, but I, I didn't realize it. So it's my experience is really different than what my clients experience, but I want to mm-hmm. just validate both of them. That sometimes yeah. when we take the self-care look, we see that the relationship has actually served its purpose and it can, it can bring a lens to it in that way as well. Well, I think what you're speaking to is that it's sort of a bedrock of a successful relationship is that, you know, really um, so much of, a, of how well a relationship goes or not well it goes depends on when you're willing to identify what's going on inside yourself and attend to it. Um, and hopefully you bring the other person in on that. Um, I think, you know, any, so many problems in relationships happen when people are feeling uncomfortable or irritable or disappointed or shameful, and it goes unspoken. Um, and really when you speak it, you're taking care of yourself as well as taking care of the relationship. They kind of, they kind of go together. It's self-care. It's like we talk about yeah. self-care. It's, self-care is not going to the gym. Like self-care is like practicing vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. saying what, what's in your heart and like getting the yeah. support that you need in order to do that. Like that's, that's the, the real layer of self-care. And then whatever else you do, I find that once you do that stuff, it's easy to go to the gym and it's easy to eat healthy, but it's like we kind of hold our, our habits hold us hostage when we're not Absolutely. really in an intimate relationship with ourselves. Yeah. And I, and it's the, the vulnerability piece is so key. I, I think of vulnerability in a couple like weak frogging. You know, one person takes the lead and makes himself vulnerable. And more often than not, the other person will make himself vulnerable and take the lead. And people can go back and forth and inspire each other that way. In a way, if there's competition in a relationship, maybe the competition can be, okay, who can be more vulnerable? See where that takes you. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's like we, we really, you want to be part of a team. Mm-hmm. I think that's what most of us want. And just remembering that we, we want, if you're in a relationship, chances are you want to, both partners want to be in a good relationship. So it's, yeah. it's finding that path. Um, so thank you so much. It's been super helpful. And, and I know it, it's speaking to the, the issues and the hopes of a lot of people out there. Um, is, is there a way that people can get in touch with you if they are interested in doing more therapy work with you either individually or in a couple? Yes. Absolutely. They can go to my website, which is www.drsterkvich.com, and that's spelled C-E-R-K-E-V-I-C-H. And uh, I don't know if I should get, let's see. You can also contact me at Angela at drsterkvich.com. Should I get my phone them out, I can do that too. That's fine. I don't know what we do. If you feel comfortable, go for it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so my phone number is 202-480-9164. And they can reach me either one of those ways. Cool. And, um, and I, I think this will be... Oh, go, go on. No, go ahead. Well, I think this will be really helpful for all of you out there who, like, have a yoga background, you know, and you're interested in someone who can pull in that, that sensibility into, like, more of a talk therapy situation. So... Um, contact Angela. She's awesome. And uh, 
do do your bigger self care, your deeper self care, and uh, I'm excited great. to hear how it plays out for you. Yeah, thank you so much, Gracie. Um, this is wonderful. I adore the work that you do, and just thanks for offering this out, and thanks for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be here and for for teaching us. Okay, everyone, thanks a lot, and I'll look forward to connecting to you soon. Take care of yourself today. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.